It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It will be the strangest European Championships on record. No fans in some places, some fans in others, but still, the spectacle continues in the adversity of this global pandemic. I am Jake from What If Football Still, and this is the fifth of five Euro Daily podcast previews, and today we're going to be discussing our 24 players to watch in this tournament. One from every team, if you can count correctly, and... This will be going out on our podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, Acast or Amazon Music. So be uh, sure to give us a like, subscribe and a five star review on there to boost the uh, boosters underlying numbers a little bit. And um, also it will be going out on our new Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash what if football where we'll be giving you seven days a week content after the Euros, contemporary football podcasts, nostalgic football podcasts as well, as well as uh, video game and football manager content on there after the European Championships. Let's get stuck in to today's show and look at some of the right young prospects at this summer's European Championships. And we start with the biggest name in Group A and that is Italy. Now I do have a couple of names here for you. I've got Alessandro Bastoni, the 22-year-old uh, central defender for Inter Milan. I also have the uh, the late replacement for Stefano Sensi and that is uh, Atalanta's Matteo Pessina. But my pick is Giacomo Raspadori, the up until last week uncapped Italian wildcard maybe. But let's talk about uh, Bastoni and Pessina first. Bastoni is a progressive centre-half, loves to carry the ball out from defence. Admittedly, that is in part of a back three for Inter Milan. He's got a good number of assists and expected assists for a uh, centre-half. And I think he's a great young alternative to the old guard of Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Chiellini, who are likely to start this tournament for Italy. Pessina, on the other hand, he's a, uh, a late replacement for Sensi. He's an attacking, an exceedingly attacking alternative to the likes of Sensi and Marco Verratti, who will be out injured for the first couple of games for Italy. And this hole in Italy's midfield gives Pessina a chance to uh, carry his form through for Atalanta. He's played 40 times 
for Atalanta. He could realistically be involved. He's heavily involved in the build-up in an attacking third for Atalanta. That might infer Atalanta's style, but it is something that Mancini wants from his team at the Championships to press hard, like the like the German style of uh, football that we've seen in the last few years. You could compare him to other fringe players, such as uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini and Manuel Locatelli, all vying for that Verratti place in the uh, starting lineup for the opening couple of games against Turkey and Switzerland there. He creates more chances than those. He pressures them more on the ball, the defenders on the ball there. And I think that's something that Mancini will be looking at, and which is why he's the uh, first replacement for Stefano Sensi there. But my pick is Giancomo Raspadori, the 21-year-old from Sassuolo, who again, like Atalanta, press high on the ball, press high up the pitch, have a high-energy uh, style of football that Mancini wants. He might have only made his debut against uh, Czech Republic earlier on this week, but he's a left-field choice for centre-forward or out-wide, usually where Immobile and Belotti will play, but Immobile, he hasn't recreated his club form, his Lazio form for his national side, so why not Raspadori? He offers something completely different, exactly to uh, Belotti as well. He creates great chances, pressures in attacking thirds, a bit like Pessina as well. Um, with false nine being all the rage recently, why not uh, Raspadori Pessina as a, like a double false nine in uh, Italy's 4-3-3 system, potentially used to uh, a 4-2-3 there. Um, it's like I say, Mancini wants a high-pressing team. It's something that the players of Sassuolo and Atalanta are highly compatible with, and Raspadori is no different, scoring six goals in 28 games for Sassuolo this season. Maybe one for the future, maybe one for Qatar 2022, but definitely keep your eye out for him when Italy will be uh, making frequent changes, frequent uh, rotation in their lineup this summer. Now on to Wales, I've got one pick for you, and it is Nico Williams, the 20-year-old Fullback at Liverpool can play right or left, as we know. Um, has been playing left wing back in the absence of Ben Davies, and Ben Davies is still not up to speed in terms of match fitness. He is selected the uh, Tottenham defender, but I think we will see a coming of age here for Williams. Even if Davies does start, he could start at left centre back, which would allow Williams further up the pitch. FB ref state is more like a a Reece James, a Ben Chilwell, Danny Carvajal, a Thomas Mounier, and that's a progressive wing-back, really. We, Williams got his debut in the Welsh team in September, um, less than a year ago, and scored his first goal for the side three days later against Bulgaria, which turned out to be a winner. So he can come up with the goods further up the pitch, and if he's to prosper at Liverpool, this is a, a quality that he will bring to this squad and will need to bring to the squad if he's to start more games for Liverpool. Only made 10 appearances. So, in essence, he'll be very, very fresh for the Championships this summer. Now, going to Turkey, we have a couple of Lille, a couple of Lille league champions. Uh, Zeki Celik, the right-back, the 24-year-old, uh, played 33 times for the French champions this season. The first-choice right-back with Turkey has been for some time. Coming off the back of that successful season with Lille, tackling high up the pitch, which um, maybe leaves Turkey a bit exposed at the back. They have conceded quite a lot of goals recently, as opposed to their defensive stoicism in qualification for the Euros. He's like a Sergei Regulon, he's like an Alioski, he's like a Stefan Liner in terms of his attacking output as well. He can defend as well. He's good at pressuring the ball, he can carry the ball up the field as well. But my pick, my one to watch for Turkey is Yusuf Yusike. 42 appearances, 14 goals, a 20, another 24-year-old for Lille, another 24-year-old Turkish player for Lille. He will have that club bond with uh, Borak Yilmaz in the middle as well, also of Lille. 
and he is in the top 6% in Europe for wingers for uh, goal-creating actions. And this uh, this partnership with Yilmaz from the left, I think it will uh, will prosper in the championships this summer. Uh, he's got a great goal-scoring record as well. He, six assists for his uh, club this season. FB Ref liken him to a Mo Salah, a Neymar, a Son Heung-min. And this partnership with Yilmaz, slightly off to the left, I think will uh, it will bear some fruit this this summer and maybe they could spring a surprise or two um, against Italy and Rome tomorrow or tonight rather. Now, looking to Switzerland, we have a couple of uh, suggestions as well. Ruben Vargas, the 22-year-old of uh, Augsburg, scored six goals for them this season. A bit of a young talent that could be a different dimension to a Harris Seferovic or a Brie Bolo should uh, Switzerland want to go in that direction. He's in the ilk of uh, Marcus Turam, also of the Bundesliga, also on the fringes of his national team in this championship. It's probably more like uh, Brie Bolo and his numbers hold up with Mbolo also of... Um, also of the Bundesliga as well, he creates, probably creates less goal-creating actions per 90. He's got a similar chance creation in him as well. Doesn't play as much as Mbolo, so in he could be a little bit fresher, which will be key this summer. And he's got more goals and assists per 90 as well. He's an exciting young talent. Also, Remen Frohler. Of Atalanta, another Atalanta suggestion. There's quite a few in here because they are sort of dark horse in Italy and they provide some very interesting players. Remo Freuler plays slightly further back. He's a central midfielder, 29-year-old, played 46 times for Atalanta. His numbers are going to be skewed by Atalanta's high-energy, high-pressing game when, to be fair, Switzerland play almost an opposite style, more of a counter-attacking. But in terms of getting forward, he is an attacking alternative to a Zuba or a Denis Zakaria as well and he would be my pick in that central midfield because he can break the lines with um, his carrying his passing and provide Seferovic in Bello or Vargas, Ruben Vargas um, and give Switzerland a bit more of a uh, bit more onus going going forward and make them a bit more exciting to watch but obviously we know that's not necessarily in Switzerland's wheelhouse. Moving on to group B we have got of course Belgium to start off we've only got one one suggestion for Belgium. Um, it is one of the younger pack. It is Jeremy Doku of Rennes. Played 43 times for Rennes, so played quite often since his uh, move from Anderlecht. And I think what Belgium need in this tournament, probably more so than any other team, is something not of the bottle, something not scarred by the golden generation's failures. They've got Dries Mertens, they've got Aiden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, who all starred in the World Cup, uh, reaching the semi-finals three years ago. Leandro Trossard is also a welcome break, also a winger as well. But I think Doku is a different prospect altogether. He loves a dribble, he's pacey, he can draw fouls as well. He can create chances and with the likes of Romelu Lukaku up front, Belgium could have some serious joy in that department. And I think he's destined for greatness. He's already made the leap from Anderlecht to Ren. He seems very assured and comfortable in his uh, roadmap to his uh, success in his career. And I think this could be probably a big leap for him and potentially get a big move for out of the league and picture which finances in league and as we know aren't great at the minute with that collapsing tv deal and doku could could be a springboard for great things this summer 
Finland, I've got two suggestions. The first being Robin Lerd on the uh, right wing, 28-year-old, um, plays in the MLS with Minnesota United. He's more of a starting option than my suggestion, uh, Frederick Jensen, who is going to be more of an impact off the bench. I think Lerd creates chances by the bucket load, and in this strict 4-4-2, we'll be feeding Timo Pukki and uh, Joel Polnipalo, also Jensen if he comes on as well. And I think this could work to... Finland's benefit as an unfancied team for someone who's a bit of a, a bit of an outlier in the team who creates a lot of chances and they'll need to create a lot of chances if they are to be successful against the likes of Denmark and Russia. I'm not holding out too much hope against Belgium on the other hand. A slightly, slightly younger prospect, slightly more central prospect is Frederick Jensen who plays his football in the Bundesliga with Augsburg. Only made one start in his 13 appearances. Um, Joel Ponyapalo, I think he will start alongside Timo Puki for Finland. But Jensen is waiting in the wings. He's scored a couple off the bench already in the past year or so. And he's got similar numbers to Ponyapalo as well. Um, and in a tournament where freshness is key, Jensen's coming off the bench. I think it could be very, very pivotal for Finland. A couple of late goals. We might see Finland uh, grab a few sneaky results later on in the day in these uh, in these Group B fixtures. Now moving on to Russia, we have got another Atalanta prospect. I know, I know, it's the last one, I promise. Alexei Miranchuk, 25-year-old. He's uh, made 28 appearances for Atalanta, mainly off uh, mainly off the bench, but for his national team, he's in a team with uh, with few bright spots and a couple of uh, ageing talents, really. Miranchuk is one who was a youngster for the World Cup when Russia hosted, but I think since he's blossomed. Um, it's a bit similar to club teammate Ruslan Malinovsky, who we... Uh, we're all looking forward to watching for Ukraine and we'll be the fulcrum for that team. Miranchuk is likewise, maybe play a bit wider. He's very cool under pressure. He can seemingly do it all and he offers something different to Russia who are quite, could be quite one-dimensional, quite stoic and sit deep and be one of these teams that could be quite dominant in, in the Euros this summer. Whereas Alexei Miranchuk provides something else. He's... His scoring rate per 90 minutes is very good. He often comes off the bench for Atlanta. Obviously, we'll probably be starting this uh, this summer. He could progress the ball upfield, which will be which will be key for Russia. Who will sit deep against Denmark and and um, and Belgium there. Also, the only thing like uh, like Remo Froehler really, Atalanta played very different style to the nation he plays in. So Miranchuk's Russia will play very 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 conservative compared to his club team. Denmark, I've got a couple of suggestions here. First of all, Robert Skurv, 25-year-old for Hoffenheim. He can do it all pretty much as a utility man of the Danish team. He can play out wide more offensively. He can play as an attacker. He can play as a 10. Um, he can also play as fullback in my team preview. I had him down as a fullback. Um, as a fullback, he can create. He can pressure high up the pitch, progress the ball quite high um, with his passing ability. And as a winger, again, he's He's good at pressing high. Hoffenheim, Bundesliga team, they'll press high. They've got a high defensive line. Denmark, a bit different, um, but Skurv can create from out wide. He's good from set pieces as well. And um, if Denmark want a slightly more offensive option at fullback, Skurv can be that man. But in terms of coming off the bench, my pick is Jonas Vind. 15 goals in 28 matches for Copenhagen this season for the 22-year-old. First seen him in the Europa League quarter-final against my Manchester United team. And I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I think he's a very exciting prospect for Denmark. Probably will make the leap from the Danish Superliga to a top-five league this season, surely. I think he's ready to make the leap now. Him, Dahlberg and Poulsen, 
and Brathwaite, of course, would be very exciting to see in a quartet. Obviously, that won't happen with the likes of Christian Eriksen, uh, Heuberg and Delaney in midfield. But any three of those four, I can see Denmark being very dark horses. It provides more shots than Dahlberg and Poulsen. I think he's a bit more of an uh, offensive alternative to those two creative midfielders, forwards, wide forwards, whichever you want to, uh, however you want to categorise them. But I think he's... Uh, and an element of unknown, really, compared to Dahlberg and Poulsen. I think he can uh, be very exciting going forward for Denmark. Moving on to Group C, we've got uh, the Netherlands, of course, the favourites to win Group C and maybe won't play, but again, a young Ajax Academy graduate, Ryan Gravenberg. And for me, uh, football manager God to begin with, let's get that out of the way first. I mean, he's one of the one of Europe's brightest young talents. He may struggle to break into this midfield depending on how Frank de Boer wants to set it up. I am of the opinion that Martin de Roon will start and it'll be a bit more defensive for the Netherlands, which isn't what we want to see with the Netherlands. You know, the total football in history that they do have. Um, but if they go more attacking, I think he will then still go for David Klaassen ahead of him. But I think Gravenberg is more of a complete midfielder than we think, more like a Bellingham. He can do the dirty work of uh, of the defence show. He can also carry the ball high up the pitch. He's adept at dribbling. He's offensively minded with his passing. He will always look to go forward. And if you saw Ajax's game with Mitchelland in the Champions League this season, he can score an absolutely world-class goal curled into the top corner at the uh, Johan Cruyff Arena there last year. Um, I think he's going to be definitely one for the future, will be world-class in the end, I believe. And this could be, like Doku, really a springboard to success for Gravenberg. Staying in Group C, we've got a Macedonian player here and a classical number 10. We've got Elif Elmas, 39 appearances, a 21-year-old has had for Napoli this season. Might have struggled for time under Gattuso. Um, coming off the bench quite a lot. He is heralded as one of the best Macedonian talents probably ever. Creates chances like no other in Europe. is in the top 1% amongst uh, number 10s for that in the top five leagues. And dribbling, he's fantastic at dribbling. He's likely to join Goran Pandev and his strike partner, probably Treskowski, in pressing when they're needed. And he's very good at that. Um, him linking up with fellow Serie A player Pandev will be very key to Macedonia's success and He's one of the Macedonian players that I'm more excited to watch. You've got Elmas, you've got Alioski, you've got Enes Badi as well from a deeper position as a playmaker. Obviously, Pandev goes without saying, but Elmas, that young potential there is probably the most exciting Macedonian player you will uh, see this summer. And I've taken a very different standpoint here with Ukraine. We've got Makola Matvienko, a 25-year-old centre-half for Shakhtar Donetsk. Once touted for a move to the Premier League, but he's since never materialised. Um, he could play fullback, he can play centre back, and probably for that reason, FB ref labels him more like Cesar as Piliqueta. He was a defender that will go out and pressure the attackers. Something that his new manager Roberto De Zerbi will uh, will love at Shakhtar if Matvienko is still there, of course, by the by the end of the summer. His interceptions are you've got great numbers for interceptions. He's keen to get involved from the back, bring it out from the back. Um, this is suits Andrei Shevchenko's method of dominating games that they're favourites for, which Ukraine probably will be favourites for every game, bar the Netherlands in the group, obviously Austria and Macedonia to come. I think we'll see in these games Matt Vienko come alive, not just with his astute defending, but his willingness to build the attacks, join the attacks almost, um, almost like a Harry Kane figure in a what could be a defensive three, which could be a defensive uh, four as well. Now, finally, in this uh, first half of the show, Austria Sasa Kalajic. We've seen him, if you watch the England warm-up friendly with uh, 
Austria at the Riverside Stadium scores bags of goals, six foot seven tall, 23 year old, 16 goals in 33 games for Stuttgart in their first season back in the Bundesliga, recovered very, very well from an ACL injury. And for me, he's one of the unicorns, one of the, you know, individuals that is rare at this tournament. There's not many players like him. You likely won't play if Marko Arnautovic is fit, which is a shame for me because Kalajic is in some good form. He's six foot seven. His goal record speaks for himself. He's got great hold up play, as you can uh, probably guess from a six foot seven uh, centre forward. He's got a good touch for a big man, if you want to use that uh, cliche. He's very good aerially, of course. He's probably likened to fellow Group C substitute, likely Group C substitute, White Fout Veghorst, um, who's getting a lot of uh, clamour to start in the Netherlands as well. Kalajic should do as well. I mean, he does overshoot his XG by a fair distance in the Bundesliga, one of the most in Europe, but his figures are almost identical to the 20 goal a season Veghorst that we've seen also in the Bundesliga for Wolfsburg. And I think Kalajic could provide something a little bit different for Austria in their um, attacking alongside Marcel Sabitzer, again, also of the Bundesliga. After the short break, we'll be taking a look at the uh, 2021 trivial teaser and, of course, 12 more ones to watch after this short break. Welcome back and well done to everybody yesterday who got Peter Galashi right, the Hungarian goalkeeper, has, of course, spent time in England and in Germany as well. Today's trivial teaser, we have got a central midfielder. Now, this one should be very easy. <laughs> We've got a central midfielder. He's played underneath Nuno Espirito Santo and Fernando Santos. Some of his teammates have been Ika Casillas, Willy Bolly, Alex Tellez, João Moutinho and the mighty John Ruddy. I sent the uh, trivial teaser answer this week is a central midfielder who's played underneath Nuno Espirito Santo, Fernando Santos, Ika Casillas, Willy Bolly, Alex Tellez, João Moutinho... John Ruddy. If you think you know the answer, which you probably should, it is at whatif underscore YouTube is our Twitter handle. Alternatively, holler at me in the streets. After this short break, we'll be discussing 12 more players to watch from Group D, E and F. Welcome back. So now we're discussing Group D and we have to start with England, can't we? Well, uh, the only player we can pick from here, obviously, Phil Foden is the obvious um, player to watch. Obviously, there's Jack Grealish as well. He's Mason Mount. Plenty of players. And if you're going to go down the Main Street route, obviously, Harry Kane. But we'll uh, take a look at the youngest player of the England setup, The second youngest player at the tournament, Jude Bellingham. 17-year-old, 39 appearances, two goals for Borussia Dortmund this season. And at such a young age, he looks such a complete footballer and... It blows my mind every time I see him to see him controlling Champions League games against Manchester City, to see him playing in Der Classic, the biggest fixture in Germany with uh, such a plum. He plays as a 22 um, because he can play as a 4, which is a 6 in Europe, an 8 or a 10, and that does add up to 22. I've done the maths on that. He can create chances, he can rampage up the pitch, and with Jordan Henderson his fitness coming into question I think he will start against Croatia um, we'll see if I'm wrong on that on uh, Sunday or not um, I think he will uh, be one of the shining lights of England's tournament this season he can also block passing routes is the top 2% of all central midfielders in Europe for that one so he has got that defensive side to him FB ref likens him to uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic which is one of the more complete midfielders in, in Europe as well and I think Bellingham has got a fantastic tournament ahead of him um, and he is the future of that England midfield alongside Declan Rice for potentially the next decade to come. 
Alternatively, a little wild card here who's come to the fore really for the England team, and that's Ben White, the uh, 23-year-old with 36 appearances for Brighton. Perhaps a necessary necessary wild card really if we consider Harry Maguire's fitness worries. He seems to have uh, jumped ahead of Tyrone Mings and Connor Cody, particularly particularly in a back four, which I think White's probably preferable to uh, as opposed to those two teammates. His tactical fluidity under Graham Potter at Brighton will help him massively as well. In a three, he's quite comfortable in a three. Played most of the season in a three. He plays a defensive midfielder as well to uh, cover for Declan Rice should any more injury worries happen as well. And I think he's behind Harry Maguire and John Stones now as England's third choice and a half. And as a 23-year-old, world at his feet could be a England's and a half for the next uh, generation, really. Fantastic defender. And another one for the next generation, another centre-half for the next generation, my only suggestion for Croatia, and if you play football manager, you'll know him, is a 19-year-old. He plays for Dinamo Zagreb. Off to RB Leipzig this summer is, of course, Josko Vardiol. And you'll know his name if I've not butchered it. That is, um, He's been back out on loan for Dinamo, his first club. Obviously, he's uh, moving to Leipzig this summer, where often the... Uh, <laughs> the brightest and best European talent go. He pressures the ball well, recovers it well. He can switch play too. He can play left back. He can play centre half. Um, and him linking up with Perisic and Nante Rebic and uh, Andre Kramaric up front in terms of long balls, it will be a delight to see. I'd love to see Vardiol play. I don't think he will. I think he's behind Kaleta Kar, Lovre and Vida in the, uh, in the pecking order for Croatia. But he could be an option out wide. He could be a backup option for Bonar Barisic on the left as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the flesh for once. Now, Scotland, we've got another centre-half, as our suggestion, quite a centre-half heavy. Um, Jack Hendry, the 26-year-old, the only Scottish player to play outside uh, the British Isles, making 27 appearances for Oostend in the uh, Belgian league. He has played in uh, England, he's played in Australia, played a bit part for uh, Celtic in a couple of years when they last won the league. Um, he plays his football at Oostend for, uh, you know, Billy Bean of Moneyball fame, part of that. He's uh, part owner in that. He recognised his talents, which must mean something. We've seen the likes of uh, Mikhail Helic as well for uh, Barnsley. He's uh, also in the Poland squad. So maybe that's at the forefront of a lot of managers' minds, these uh, players based on numbers. Um, Steve Clark may not start him. He may start Liam Cooper. He may start Grant Hanley. Also Kieran Tyson. Kieran Tierney is nailed on, isn't he, really? But I think he's something to think about for this uh, Scottish defence. And equally, Billy Gilmore. And now, at 20-year-old for Chelsea, he's not the youngest player in the Scotland squad, but his selection did raise a few eyebrows. Obviously, um, a couple of absentees in there with Ryan Jack and Kenny McLean. Um, He's earned his first caps recently. Came off injured, but... I think that was just a precaution against Luxembourg, but he's always looked assured at Chelsea, hasn't he? Uh, people still recall that FA Cup contest with uh, Liverpool for rose-tinted spectacles, despite it being so recently. And at international football, particularly at tournaments with a pragmatic style of play, the need for freshness, fitness, you do need to keep that ball in midfield, you need that composure in midfield, and Scotland have a very strong midfield, and I, if you watched, if you listened yesterday, I've tipped them to qualify out of the groups and the further they get on the more they will need Billy Gilmore I think he will get a chance I don't think he'll start but I think he is probably one of the brightest young Scottish talents out there now moving on to Czech Republic the dark horses the unfancied team of group D I've got Jakub Jankto I mean it's hardly an exciting Czech team Jankto does provide flair from the left he cuts in he can finish he's got six goals in uh, Serie A for Sampdoria this season it is a gritty Czech team with the likes of Alex Kral and Thomas Socek in that double pivot. You've got Vladimir Kufala, we all know. 
Um, but I think he is the uh, the difference, really. Yankto and Schick up front, they could provide the strongest aspect going forward, and I expect them both to converge on anything that anything good that Czech Republic do this summer. Now going to Spain, we've got a future Ballon d'Or winner, in my eyes at least, with uh, my pick, my player to watch from Spain. If he stays at Barcelona, could he be the new Lionel Messi? Uh, Jerry's still out on that one, but I'm going to go for Pedri, the 18-year-old, 44 appearances for Barcelona. And maybe Barcelona didn't want to play him as much this year, but obviously key injuries and obviously a team in transition made he meant he did play quite a lot of games this this season. He's a complete midfielder, a bit like Bellingham. He's heavily involved in the build-up, might not be as astute defensively, but as an attacking prospect, he's fantastic. He carries the ball well, he's very assured, he's creative, he can create chances for those at will. And with, with Alvaro Morata up front, Spain are going to need a lot of chances if, obviously, Luis Enrique goes down that route instead of Gerard Moreno. He's broken to the squad, he's benefited from this one-year postponement and I think he does bring something a little bit different. I don't think he's going to play ahead of Koke, for example, ahead of Thiago. But COVID situation pending, it's sort of nail-biting for Spain at the minute. He could get a place. Obviously, he's not going to replace Sergio Busquets at the base of that midfield. That'll be Rodri. Um, but I do think Pedri could easily play out wide as well in uh, Danny Olmo or Mikhail Arafabal's position on the left wing. Could easily play there as well. Could easily play on the right. He's a very attacking player. And I do think he, if Spain are going to do something well, I think Pedri will be involved heavily this summer. And to Suflakia, as I uh, called them, the forgotten team at this tournament. I've gone for Robert Bozinek. Uh, it's in a team full of exciting talents, perhaps the exceptions are Milan Skriniar in defence. Marek Hamšík, of course, is the first name that we all remember um, in midfield. And I think he's a youthful talent, 21, still 21, plays football in Feyenoord um, in the Eredivisie. Could be a cult hero like a Robert Vitek, who scored plenty of goals at 2010 World Cup when uh, Slovakia stunned the world and got through the group stages and got through to the last 16. Um, it could be supplied by Robert Mack on the left, um, the experienced Ferenc Varos winger, um, could find his head on things, six foot two frame. I think if Slovakia are going to do something outside of Hamšík, it probably will be Bozinek. And maybe that is their only hope. Who knows? Because there are Sweden and Poland also in the group. And I was going to choose Dejan Kulusevski for my pick, for my player to watch. But as I was making the notes for this uh, format for this podcast this morning, COVID, he struck down with COVID. And whether or not he'll play, is a bit of a mystery. He's the creative fulcrum for Sweden and he did end his season quite well for Juventus. So it will be fresh and informed, but this getting struck down with COVID is very, very unfortunate to him and for Sweden really. And it could affect Sweden even further going forward. And that has kind of inferred my pick for Sweden. It's um, another youngster, Alexander Isak, a youthful striker who's had quite simply a ridiculous season in Spain for Real Sociedad. Um, he carries the ball well from deep as a number nine, something maybe that's probably needed in a Swedish 4-4-2. He creates chances by the bucket load as well. You might might see Emil Forsberg bombing on ahead of him and others, really. He can also get stuck in on the uh, defensive side of things, also perhaps necessary in the uh, stoic system that Sweden play. And the main team that will trouble... Sweden is more of a flexible Polish team with uh, Jakub Moder in there, a flexible player. Of course, he is. He plays for Brighton. He's got his first international goal at Wembley in World Cup qualification against England. He's broken into the Brighton team towards the back end of this season. He's very flexible. 
could play wing back if Poland opt for three at the back. He could play centrally in the midfield, which makes him kind of invaluable in this Polish team behind the likes of Zielinski, Lewandowski, Milik, Glick and uh, Bednarek in the uh, in the Polish team. He could also do the dirty work in that midfield alongside Gregor's Krzysztof, sorry, Polish listeners for the butchering of that uh, surname there. But I think Jakub Moda will be... Uh, Something pretty special if Poland get through. We all know how uh, Lewandowski hasn't had greatest love luck at tournaments. Maybe he will need the help of those around him. Zielinski, Milik and Moda, of course. Going to Group F, where we'll finish today's episode, we've got the uh, supposed, the headlined whipping boys of the group in uh, Hungary. And um, there's been little hope for Hungary. And even now worse there since Dominic Szabozlai is missing he would have been my admittedly fairly obvious player to watch from the from a Hungarian perspective but now he's injured unfortunately he's not played since uh, December I think and in this little hope comes Roland Shalai he's a fresh face forward lines up uh, for a surprising Freiburg team always beat the odds in the Bundesliga so maybe that's an omen and could Hungary spring a similar surprise in this group F containing France Germany and Portugal who knows? If you listened yesterday, you'll know that I said the group of death and the way it's structured could help Hungary, actually. And um, Shalai, as long, alongside um, Captain Adam Slajai, they will counter in the channels in this uh, two-up-front two system. Maybe it's a 4-4-2, maybe it's a 3-5-2. Well, more like a 5-3-2, rather. And um, FB Ref have him like Richarlison, so it's more like a hassling, haranguing second striker will be a big nuisance for uh, defenders, the successful defenders of France, Germany and Portugal. And maybe he could get a bit of joy, a bit of change out of um, the likes of Ruben Diaz, Mats Hummels and others such as, of course. Moving on to France, we have got Adrian Rabiot as a player to watch. Now, he's a bit more established than some of the names on this list, admittedly. But I think he will be utilised more so by uh, Didier Deschamps this time round. France's midfield has changed slightly, ever so slightly, since the World Cup win. Obviously, we've still got Paul Pogba in there. We've still got Kante in this lopsided 4-2-3-1 system. We have seen, of course, Pogba drift out to the left for his club. Um, Rabiot is probably the unheralded of the three in midfield and might not even line up for them. He could be Corentin Tolisso. It could also be... Kingsley Coman, if they want to go with a more out-and-out wide man. Um, but if Rabiot plays, he can easily oscillate between the double pivot with Kante and he can also drift out to the left-hand side, interchangeable with um, with Paul Pogba there. He's an all-action midfield, like a Frank Kessie, like a Mahmoud Dahoud of uh, Borussia Dortmund. But I think he could be more interesting going further forward that we've seen, uh, that we've seen the likes of Talisa do, that we've seen the likes of... Uh, Blaise Matuidi do in uh, previous tournaments as well and I think that is where France and their flexibility really will find their joy not through the star studded names of Griezmann, Benzema, Mbappe etc etc but through the the hard working names of Adrian Rabiot here and for Germany we have got another sort of player who goes a little bit under the radar Robin Gersens and I can't understand why he hasn't sort of been earmarked as a Philip Lahm successor who plays on the left uh, he's very flexible he obviously I said it was the last Atalanta pick. No, this is the last Atalanta pick. Uh, he contributes to goals. He contributes to assists. Also, his defensive side of the game is fantastic. He could really keep Germany on the front foot in this uh, stereotypical high-press German team. Whether or not they play three at the back, whether or not he plays four at the back, he fits into Germany's style. Um, as opposed to the Netherlands, who have gone a bit more defensively, who Gersens could have uh, represented. And, of course, he started his career in the Netherlands. 
progressive passing is one of his strongest areas as opposed to dribbling. So getting that ball forward to the likes of the Bayern Munich lads up front to Nabry, Sané, Muller, Kimmich, Goretzka, he could easily fit into that. And I don't understand why he's not been spoken of as much as those other names. There's most successful names, admittedly, in Bayern Munich colours. But Robin Gersens, I think, brings something that Germany need out wide and solves a bit of a problem at fullback area that they've had ever since Philipp Lahm retired seven years ago now from the international game. Another left-back we've got to close out the show is uh, Nuno Mendes of Portugal, and I think he's already a fairly refined player, another football manager god. If you've played that, you'll have signed him uh, <laughs> this time round again. I'm sorry for that, for those of you who don't play football manager. Um, he's been linked to complete the Man City backline at left-back, um, just come off the back of winning the league with Sporting Lisbon as well. And not only can he dribble well, he's quite pacey. He can defend well, both aerially and on the ground really well. He's great at progressing the ball upfield for his passing. They're similar to Gerson's, really. And um, I think he would be the final nail in the Premier League coffin if he does sign for Man City because he suits them to to a T, really. He's like João Cancelo as well. Who He's not likely to start Mendes, really. You've got Rafael Guerrero, you've got João Cancelo. Um, but he is definitely one for the future, one for the World Cup next year should um, he usurp Guerrero. Should he get a, a next step to uh, a top five European League club, maybe? in this uh, summer. Another suggestion for Portugal is the uh, defensive midfielder, João Palhinha, who also won a spot in Lisbon's heroes this season. He'll provide depth to the Portuguese midfield that contains uh, Cavalho and Danilo, of course, as well. Um, We'll play in that double pivot behind Bruno Fernandes if if Palhinha does play. And I think he will bring something a little bit different to Portugal and obviously injuries permitting, he will be needed um, in this tournament where freshness is, of course, key which is a slogan for today's show we'll be back tomorrow we'll be back tomorrow with the very very first match day and are you all excited will you get enough sleep i know i won't um obviously we'll be back tomorrow we'll be discussing uh, the first game we'll be discussing turkey versus italy we'll also be looking at um how the england squad's going to set up you'll indulge my englishness for the second half of the show and we'll also be taking a look at wales and scotland and the home nation's chances at this tournament thank you for listening thank you for your support on the podcast feed on the youtube channel with your subscriptions etc and obviously patreon donations i'll see you tomorrow and of course up the three lions sports social podcast network Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.